Now, just like our intro video said, there are lots of ideas and beliefs about God. And these beliefs are important because they either draw us closer to God or cause us to want to push away. And here's the reason. What you think about God will determine how you relate to Him. What you think about God will determine how you relate to Him. Just your coming to church today says you think God's important and maybe something can happen in your life. You know, all, all, you, you, our actions show what we believe. Now, in this series, we're looking at truths about God so we can have the most accurate view of Him possible. And here's our big idea. When I have an accurate view of God, I begin to discover the life he made me for. I begin to realize what life is really all about because I'm getting to understand what God is really all about. Now, last week we talked about how great God is. Today's message is going to be about how good God is. Let's skip the video. Let's, let's go on. Now, most people have asked the kind of questions we saw in our bumper video there. Most people have said, why do these bad things happen? Why is all this terrible stuff always happening around me? If God is good, why do things happen? People are usually frustrated when they ask these questions, and it's understandable. But I want us to think today, what does God is good really mean? It's a phrase from the Bible, obviously, but I think we've twisted the meaning of it into something that's unhealthy and unclear, most importantly, unclear or inaccurate about what God is really like. For instance, a lot of folks think that, well, if God is good, there'd never be any suffering or pain. There'd be no natural disasters like the fires in California killing people. I'd have all the money I want and all everything would be perfect in my life. If God is good, then these things would all be true. Well, is that God's goodness or could God is good means something else. And that's what we're going to look like today. We want to start with a conversation that Jesus had with a woman at a well. He was in a small town, and in the center of town, there was a well where people would come, and they'd lower their bucket down and get water to uh, take care of their needs. Well, Jesus was there, and a woman came up, and she was dipping down, and he asked for a drink. She said, well, you don't have a bucket or whatever. And so they were talking about water, on one level, but then Jesus takes this conversation to a whole nother level. The, the, they even named the well. It was called Jacob's Well, okay? And you'll see this here. Let's look at what Jesus did when he took the conversation to another level. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. And so Jesus is contrasting this well where they have to pull up the water with water gushing up. Picture, it's, uh, the, the language is very powerful. Picture a gushing fountain, maybe even like Old Faithful, a Yellowstone, that it's a geyser. It goes off and the water shoots way up and you can't be too close because it's so powerful it could hurt you. Well, regular water satisfies our thirst, of course, but that's only temporary. But Jesus is talking about a living water that can satisfy us forever. There's a satisfaction he wants us to have. Jesus wants to give us the constant, eternal life, the living water that comes when we connect to him, when we have a relationship with him. When we get connected to God, things happen. And one of the main things happen is that he becomes 
this water of living water in my life. Um, the picture in the Bible, the original languages, uh, is very powerful. So the, the water gushing isn't just a little babbling brook. It's more like I said, the geyser, something super, super powerful that impacts what's around it. I got to experience this firsthand a few years ago. I got to go to Yosemite National Park on vacation, and it's a beautiful park up in the mountains, amazing views, a half-dome mountain, all these great trails. It's just incredible. But this year that I went, the park was packed out. I mean, thousands of cars in the parking lots all through this huge national park. And we were like, why are so many people? I mean, is this normal? So we talked to an employee one day. We said, hey, what, what is up? I mean, there's hardly any breathing room here. And they laughed. They said, well, if you've noticed, there's lots of waterfalls on these mountains. And we had, every time we looked at a different mountain, even 10 miles away, you could see a water fountain or a water fountain, a waterfall coming down the mountain. And they said, here's the deal. This past winter, we had record snowfall in the high mountains of this mountain range. And that record snowfall, they measured in tens of feet, right? 20, 30, 40 feet deep in some places. She said, uh, this record snowfall is now melting. And so we have record waterfalls all over the park on the edge of these mountains. And people have come from all over the world to see this. And I thought, yeah, I've, I've seen people from other countries. It was amazing. Well, this, this gushing is, is something you just got to experience. And since I did, I took a picture and you get to see me. So here I am, your handsome pastor in his stylish blue. Isn't that stylish, my, 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 my blue poncho there? Well, you got so wet, even though you're not right by it, I'm about mm, 100, 150 feet away. The mist, you can just see the mist in the air. You get so wet. Notice the color of the water, though? It's white. And, and here's the deal. Picture a typical waterfall, and you know the water flows down it, and it's clear water for the most part, right? But if there is so much water rushing and gushing, it's full of foam. It's white water. That's why they call it white water rapid, uh, rapids. And so this water is super strong. In Yosemite, it did this. Instead of just trickling down the mountainside, the water literally flew out into space before it came down. There was so much power in this gushing water. I want to show you the downstream look. Take a look at this. So downstream, it's the same thing. The water doesn't get clear for miles because it is so full and so powerful and it's gushing so strong. And so everybody going up down this trail was like a couple feet from the edge of the green there. You were a step from death because you fall into that that thing just smashes you against the boulders, and it's, it's over. And it happens in that park occasionally. Well, that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to say the life of God inside the believer can be powerful and make all the difference in the world. So we, we want to put it together with a statement. We find lasting fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy in knowing God and nowhere else. There is a satisfaction in life, the deepest, most profound sense of this is what life's all about, only in God. Things can be great in your life. You can have good things going on, good relationships, stuff like that. But on the deepest level, only God meets that deepest, deepest need. Now, on another occasion, Jesus is going to use the same metaphor of the living water. Now, let me give you the background for this one. They had a big feast every year in the nation of Israel. 
And during this feast, everybody who could would come to Jerusalem to observe this feast, this festival, and it lasted a week or more. And so this particular time when Jesus does what we're about to read, when he talked to the people like he did, the setting was this. In this festival, they focused on water. And for the first few days of the festival, people would literally bring buckets and stuff to, of water to church, and they would pour it out. And it was a symbolic way of saying, God, we're asking you to pour out your water on our crops. They were praying for rain because it's a dry, arid country, and if it didn't rain, they'd die of starvation. I mean, it was a life and death thing. So every year they would come and pray for rain, and God would answer and bless their crops, and they'd keep on living. And so they did that for like six or seven days. But then on the final day, the climactic big day where the many thousands that could crammed in the temple, they didn't bring water. And they were emphasizing the fact that we can't do this. It has to be a God thing. He's got to hear our prayers. And so on this day where everybody is focusing on God sending rain, Jesus jumps up and look at what he says. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, all you thirsty ones. Anybody here thirsty for God today? All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scriptures say. Now, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. I love his start, you thirsty ones. A person is thirsty when they begin to realize something's missing in my life. I might have it all going on on the outside. People might look at me and, and think, man, he's got it all. But I know on the inside, something's missing. and I'm not satisfied. That is spiritual thirst. A person is becoming thirsty for God, and they realize they need something more, and it's God. Now, in that last sentence, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit. Well, as we believe in Jesus, the actual life of God himself, the Holy Spirit of God, operates in us because he is in us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are a container of God. God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. So beat, beat your chest a little bit. Come on, help me out here. There we go. Beat your chest a little bit and just say to yourself, I'm a container of God. A container of God. Isn't that amazing? We correctly say that God is always with us. I love the song about God chasing after us, and that's all accurate. But the flip side of the coin is he's not just with us. He is in us. So it's not just that he's everywhere. He's in me everywhere I might go. So just like I can't leave without taking my heart and my lungs with me, you can't leave if you're a container of God without God being with you from the inside out. So here's the, I like, I made up a word. Here's the awesomest thing about having the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Here it is. We learn that God is way better than good. He's the best. We learn this as God, the Holy Spirit, begins to stir in our hearts. We begin to realize this is better than anything, period, period. We then become people who really do have it all. I have it all. I have the God of the universe in my life. Look at this verse from the Psalms. This writer is talking about a person being thirsty for God. Take a look. 
As a deer longs for a stream of cool water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, the living God. Man, this guy gets it. Just like he is seeing a deer. I, I picture him out in the woods, and he sees a deer, and he just has these thoughts. The deer has got a drink to live. He's saying, God, that's how I am. I have to drink of you to live, to really live. Yeah, let's say it like that. I have to be full of God to really live. People settle for so little, so little. Stuff and fun and pleasure and friends and family, those things are all good, but they're also little compared to him and having him. So you might be thinking, okay, I think I get it, that God is good and he's the greatest thing in the universe and I, I, I want him in my life. How, how do I connect with him in such a way that, that really matters? And I'm glad you asked that question. Here's the answer. First off, Jesus has invited you. He started off by saying, you who are thirsty, come. Jesus is like this today to you and to me. Here's my arms open wide for you. And if you have never connected with him, you don't have him in your life. You're not yet a container of God's Holy Spirit. Today can be your day. You can connect to him today. If there's faith in your heart to believe Jesus rose from the dead. You're ready. And so we're going to take a moment so you can do that right now. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray like I'm you. I'm going to pray the prayer of somebody who's connecting to God for the first time. And as I pray this, if this is you here today, God's stirring in your heart, you realize, I need a real relationship with God. Then you make this prayer your own in your own heart and your mind, and you today can connect to God. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And I say, God, I need you today. I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins and mistakes. And I need you to fill my life because, Lord, I, I recognize that I'm thirsty and I'm not really full because I don't have you. So, God, come into my life. Come into my life. I believe you and what you've done. And so I say, yes, Lord, come into my life. Lord, I give you my life to lead and guide as you want. Be my guide, my boss, but Lord, also be my best friend. Today, Lord, thank you for connecting to me. Help me now in my relationship with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you today, I want to ask you to do something. There's uh, green cards in the pockets in front of you. I want to encourage you, fill one of those out. We want to follow up with you with some helpful information and things to help you grow in this new relationship with God. Now, you might already be a follower of Jesus, but if you're honest with yourself, you might be at a dry place. You might be at a place that your, your fountain, your old faithful geyser is really more of just a little barely babbling brook, you know, kind of limping down the mountain. And that's just where you're at. And so I, I want to say, how, how do we as followers of Jesus live here? How do we live with his life filling us and gushing through our lives? I, I'm going to be honest and say, I don't live there. I visit, and boy, the visits are wonderful, but I want to live there. I want that to be my everyday, all-day experience of having a sense of God's presence and his power working in my life. So, so how do we get there? How do we get where that's constant? Here's a verse from the Psalms that helps. Give the Lord a chance to show you how good he is. Give the Lord a chance to show you how good he is. 
Another translation of this verse is, uh, reads like this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So this Thanksgiving, hopefully you get to have a great feast and somebody will have worked really hard to prepare it, but you've got to go sit down and eat it. And that's what we see here. Give the Lord a chance, just like you've got to go to the table. He wants to show you how good he is, but you've got to give him the time. You've got to give him the chance. Just like to get to know a person, you've got to spend time with them. It's the same thing with God. Give him this chance to show you how wonderful, how good, and how utterly, profoundly fulfilling he is like nothing else in the universe. Give him a chance. You know the basics. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know about reading the Bible. Well, read the Bible daily. Ask God to speak to you. When I go to the Bible, I say, God, open my eyes and help me see what you want me to see today. Ask God, show me how good you are. If you're not real sure about where to read the Bible, whatever, use the uh, app called YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version. It's a great app. A lot of us have it, and sometimes we promote it in our pre-service thing. And that app is full of great daily devotions and stuff that can help guide you to be in the Bible every day. Pray. Connect to God through prayer. Just, it's just talking to God. And you could do it anywhere, anytime. You could be praying right now, sitting there right now. But are you praying, saying, God, I, I want to know you. I want to know how good you are. Something that I think is extra important regarding the goodness of God that we can do is worship. Uh, this corporate worship is special. There's special promises in uh, the Bible about corporate worship and how God's here among us, and it's special, but we just can't do it every day, all day, right? We got jobs and everything else all week, but we can be worshipers throughout the week. It just takes a little effort. Coming to the table takes a little bit of effort. hope you've got worship CDs or tapes or whatever you have out there, uh, an app on your phone or something, but it doesn't even have to be songs. It could be just God, I praise you, I worship you. Use the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalms, to read out loud to God and worship him, to connect to him. Time with other believers helps us. We experience God's love through other people and see how good he is. So today we started with some hard questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I want to be real honest and say, I don't have the answer to that. And if anybody tells you they do, they're just... Blowing smoke. <laughs> Nobody knows the answer to that great question, why? But we can know this. We can know that no matter what we've been through or we ever experience, our good God is with us and within us, inside me, in my life. So God is the greatest good in the universe. And just like if I was uh, cooking a meal and I knew this is the best turkey ever, of course, in Texas, it'd have to be fried, right? You know, the best turkey ever. Everybody's got to come get it because it's the best ever. I'm wanting to convey to you, God is really the best ever. Knowing him, having that living water is what life's all about. So here's some practical steps as we get ready to wrap up. Number one, ask yourself, am I really satisfied deep in my heart? Are you really satisfied? Is there a Deep, profound satisfaction because God's there and you're relating to him and interacting and the relationship's fresh and the Holy Spirit is like a gushing river in your life. Number two, ask God to show you where you are seeking satisfaction somewhere other than him. This is the biggest challenge, I think, in life. There's lots of stuff we can focus on, lots of good stuff, lots of blessings, but if we're looking to them to make us happy, it, doesn't, it just never works. 
There was a rich man who was once asked this question. He had tons of money, more than he could ever possibly spend. I mean, just a billionaire, right? And someone said to him, sir, how much money is enough? I mean, all this guy did was make money. And he was asked, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little more. Just a little more. To me, the man's saying, I'm not satisfied yet. Maybe more of money will do it. Sometimes we get to focusing on other things, on people. I made a confession last year, and I'm going to repeat it today. I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. I do. I only do it with my wife, and the girls are applauding. Great. The guys are like, man card. I know. I've got my man cards right, right there. But I watch them with her because, you know, she wants to watch them. But I have to admit, I enjoy them a little because they're romantic. The guy always meets the gal. My wife says they're always perfect, beautiful people, you know, and they meet and it's all sweet, whatever. And I'm a romantic at heart, so I watch it and I can appreciate that. But the reality is after Christmas, after they get married, they wake up the next morning and the guy's got bad breath and she's oversleeping. I mean, it's real life. No person can truly ultimately, profoundly fulfill you. Only God can do that. Only God. So sometimes we get distracted. Ask God to show me if I'm focusing somewhere else for my satisfaction. I want to reread that great verse we read earlier before number three. Give the Lord a chance to show you how good he is. So number three, make the time to give God the chance to show you how good he is this week. Now, if you're a note taker on the paper or on the app, don't close it yet. I have something to say that you need to write down. Make the time to give God the chance to show you how good he is this week. Go to the table of God. Go feast on God. And so here's the extra thing I, I want you to write down if you're note taking. This Thanksgiving... If you're like me, you may be looking forward to a big meal, maybe some football, and usually a nap after the meal, right, because you ate so much. Well, I want to give you a suggestion. This Thanksgiving, take an after-Thanksgiving dinner walk with God. Just go outside. Rain or shine, don't matter. Just go outside, walk for 10, 15 minutes or longer, and just say, God, I want to know that you're good. I've had a good time today. I've enjoyed friends and family or whatever, but God, I, I believe what Ed said is true, that you, you really are the best, so Lord, show me. Take a after Thanksgiving dinner, God is good walk, and I promise you, if you'll do it sincerely, God will meet you, and you'll come back glad you did. You'll probably digest better, too. Here's my final thought. Imagine what life would be like if you began to see just how good God is, and this living water begin to, to gush up in you, what, what would your life look like? What could it be like? You might walk into work with a big smile on your face, and your coworkers are like, oh, dude, what did you smoke on the way in? Because I want some. I want to be happy as you. And you're like, oh, you know, I've, I've just, I'm happy because I've already had a good day because I've already experienced the goodness of God in my life. I'm already having a good day. So we're going to pray, and my prayer for all of us this week is that we taste and see how good the Lord is, that the richness of his power and his love is real in our life. Y'all stand. After we pray, we'll have prayer teams up here on the sides of the stage. I urge you, come up, have them to pray. 
Sometimes we urge folks to respond to the message by coming for prayer, and that might be a good idea today. You might come up and say, hey, I'm like Ed said, I'm dry. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm just so dry. I feel like I need you to pray for me. That would be a great idea. And God, I think, could touch you here this morning, right here, and begin that bubbling up into a gusher of life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. You're so good. You're so amazing. You're so everything. And today we've talked just a little about the fact that you alone are the source of life, what really fulfills us. And God, I pray that this week we would just simply come to the table as your people. We come to the table of God and feast on you. Reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, taking walks, whatever. But God, we'd come to the table and we taste and see that you really are good. You're the best. Father, I pray you bless these folks. Give them a great week and a great Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Happy Thanksgiving.